You're listening to The Black Hole Cafe, a podcast where we spend about 42 minutes discussing a topic that has grabbed our attention and just won't let go. I'm Richard Wingfield. And I'm Taylor Wingfield. Welcome to The Black Hole Cafe. Hey, Taylor, how are you doing? Hey, doing good. Happy to be here. Well, what... um, do we have for follow-up from our previous shows? I think we, you and I talked a little bit about that uh, with the cafe in the name and with coffee on the brain, that coffee may be part of the follow-up forever. So um, I think our follow-up is just basically going to be like our cafe update, or at least my cafe update yeah. of what is happening in my coffee world. Because one of the things that I, I finally got in the mail was um, I bought these, I decided to do like a coffee bag subscription. Um, and that's been really cool because I got a couple of like local, they're not lo- my local, but they're local to like New York. And so it's supporting not like Starbucks or mass produced coffee, but right. sort of, you know, artisanal coffee. Um, and I really like them and they're good for brewing espresso. But I also have bought these from them. I bought these cold brew bags which are basically just tea bags but they're big enough for cold brew um, because you have to use a fair amount of we talked about this you have to use a fair amount of grounds in order to really steep cold brew Um, and they are amazing because the worst part about cold brew is straining it like because i just brew mine in a mason jar and then you strain out the grounds and that's it and it's not that difficult, but it does take a while. But I, these bags are like tea bags. So you're just, I mean, you're literally making coffee tea because you're just <laughs> steeping it for whatever, 15 hours. And then you just pull out the bag and your your cold brew is good to go. You've just made like a mason jar of cold brew that you can drink throughout the week or for the next 10 days or whatever. But I've also haven't been making as much cold brew because I've been making espresso every day. So you know, we're going back and forth. But anyways, I love these cold brew bags. We'll have to put the the link in the show notes because they're they're yeah, really yeah. awesome. Speaking of your new hard coffee hardware, how's the latte art coming? Poorly. Um, <laughs> mostly because it's been hot outside. So I haven't wanted to have hot coffee. I've been making iced lattes um, and you can't do latte art with an iced latte. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, I, that has not progressed any further. <laughs> well, my, my follow-up from camping um, is not really much. I've, I've read that the state parks in Texas are going to, they're starting to reopen. They're not going to do camping. It's still just day permits for a while. So I had in my brain that um, if I go through too much withdrawal, I may set up a tent in the living room and have a camping weekend in the apartment. I've seen some stuff on Instagram where people have done, except for the camp stove and the risk of burning down their house or apartment, they've done everything else. (laughs) Honestly, I mean, I would, that is my type of camping because it's basically just a glorified fort (laughs) and I love it. I would consider buying a tent just to be able to put it up in my living room or to have like the pole supports to throw sheets over whatever. I don't know how I would do it, but I would do it just to make a (laughs) fort in my living room for sure. That's perfect. And then the only other follow-up I've had about camping is I thought, you know, we didn't, I didn't talk about all the cool bags and backpacks and all that kind of stuff that, that can go along. They're not necessary, but can go along. And then I just realized that I've had like a bag obsession uh, yeah, <laughs> for my entire been, life. So I just put that in the, for a yeah, while. <laughs> I just put that in the list for a future episode. We'll just talk about bags in general. So uh, <laughs> I love it. I'm super happy with that. Well, I think, I think we've, uh, we'll establish that follow up will be from the last show or coffee um, yeah, okay. or actually from any previous show, but <laughs> with, <laughs> with the follow up done and then uh, the, question for you is what's on the event horizon for today's show? Today we're going to be talking about the wonderful world of Dungeons and Dragons. Nerd. I know, I know. (laughs) 
But I feel like we've done two two not so nerdy episodes, and I really feel like I was like we need something that will put us back in the nerd category. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So we're going to be talking about D and D, and I'm definitely again with just our normal episode disclaimer. Uh, I am absolutely by no means an expert, and I'm also a relatively new D and D player, but I absolutely have fallen in love with it within the last uh, year or so. And so definitely wanted to take some time to talk about it because it's, I I feel like it is um, like the definition of a black hole. Like there's so much content in D&D that you just, you can't, you can't be a casual D&D player or fan. You just can't, like it's not, it's not a thing. It doesn't exist. So we've, we've, again, defined the show. It's not that we're experts. It's, it's the Black Hole Cafe. Something grabbed our attention and is sucking us in. And man, I'll bet D&D can really do that. So we'll, yeah. uh, we'll ask you our, our, I'll ask you our normal uh, questions about how did this start for you? And, and what was the event horizon moment when you realized there's no going back? And in D&D, is it just you open the... <laughs> You you played your first game. You opened the box. I don't know, right? Yeah, it's, that's, that's yeah. the thing. Is like D and D take like one session of D and D is at least four hours long. So like you're sort of in it at that point. Like you can't really just sort of be like, mm, no, I'm tired. I don't want to eat. Like <laughs> once you've decided to play, you're in it. And I think that that's basically everybody's event horizon moment. But. I do think, so for me, this sort of started because, you know, 2018 was kind of a hard year for me and I was really looking for, like, I was really feeling the need for a creative outlet that I hadn't had, right? In college, I, you know, in in high school and growing up, I always had some type of theater or performance or some type of, that type of creative outlet. And in college, you know, I did improv. And so um, I really wanted something like that. Uh, in my in my life again because I hadn't really had it in a while and I didn't really want to do improv because I didn't really have anyone that I wanted to do it with and improv for me is very much about the people that you do it with and so I didn't just want to like take an improv class and that was also sort of expensive so anyways I'd started a new job around that time towards the end of 2018 and um, a few folks from work had a D&D podcast and I had kind of heard about it and I had heard about, you know, I knew about D&D for, had heard about it, but really only knew that it was like, you know, nerds in their basement playing, you know, <laughs> like young kids. I didn't really quite think that it was, um, that it was still really even around or anything like that. So anyway, so I started listening to the podcast because it was, you know, something that's like, Oh, this is a fun thing that my new coworkers have. I, I love podcasts. Like it was my fun fact when I joined the, the company where I work now. And so was like, Oh, well, this is great. Like I will bond with people over podcasting and just sort of became obsessed with their D and D podcast and absolutely loved it. And we sort of had this joke, right? The same joke that I had with you and some of my older podcasts where you were our only listener. And so it was just sort of this like really fun joke of that. I was their only listener. Um, but in 2019, it became a new year's resolution for me that I really wanted to find a D and D group to play with. Um, and so that was, that was sort of how it started was I became really into this podcast just because I liked the people and then really fell in love with sort of how everything was working and um, like, you know, just sort of was reading things about D&D and talking to people about D&D and really wanted to find a group to play with. Um, and it took me a while in 2019, but I finally found a group to play with. And yeah, I think the, like you said it, the Event Horizon moment was really playing my first session. Um, cause I had wanted to play for a long time. So it wasn't that I didn't think I would like it. I was really excited to play. Um, and I found a group and they basically sort of said, yeah, we basically just restarted this campaign. Come and join. We've already played one session, but it doesn't matter. Just throw a character together. And I wasn't really prepared, but I absolutely loved it. Um, and D and D has quite a bit of rules and things that you sort of have to know about. <laughs> but it was, it was yeah, but it was good because I played with a couple people who 
hadn't, who were relatively new players as well. And so the DM was very kind and really like uh, guided us through a lot of things and questions and all that kind of good stuff. But um, really after that, that session, I was, I was absolutely um, hooked. And I would say that's probably the event horizon moment for me. Although I will say that most people in the D and D community don't really feel like you're in the D and D like family until you've bought your first set of dice. And once you <laughs> buy your first set of dice, that's it. You are absolutely committed. You've you've sort of like you're like okay, I'm in it. Yeah, I'm gonna play D and D now because I've invested in dice. Aren't even aren't even that expensive, but that is sort of I think a rite of passage in a D and D. Uh, journey is to buy your first specific set of dice. Well, I think, I think you'd almost need to, I mean, we'll get there about my D&D experience, but I know enough to know that this isn't go get a pair of six-sided dice. So you want to explain the importance of dice. (laughs) So, yeah. So um, it's a tabletop RPG. Um, which basically is a, is a tabletop role-playing game. So what that means is you don't necessarily have um, a board, all of the players. You have a, you have a game master or a dungeon master um, who's sort of guiding the story, and then you have all of your party and your, your players um, who are all playing characters. Um, so your D20 or a 20-sided die is really your bread and butter for D&D. Um, and then it's sort of the one that you use for most things. I think most dice sets, if I'm remembering correctly, come with seven different die. Um, and so of all different sides, uh, numbers, numbers of sides. Well, I just, what popped into my head was this is your set of golf clubs, right? You've got to have your, (laughs) it is. And people, you know, like people get really into it and it's that this really big thing of, okay, this is your character. So you need to be rolling or playing with dice that represent your character. Everything that you do in D&D is basically a dice roll. So it's like a, it is a really big thing. It is like your golf clubs or, you know, like your tennis racket or what, it's like your, your very special equipment that you buy. <laughs> right. Um, and so, you know, I think I have, I'm looking maybe five, four or five sets of dice. Right, of um, course. We are way past the event horizon now. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like, just to explain why dice are so important. So how much do you know about D&D? Because we've talked about it a little bit, um, but kind of wanted to ask like, one, how much do you know about D&D? And then two, what kind of preconceived notions did you have about it? Um, before it was sort of explained to you, I guess. I don't know much. <clears throat> I know more now. Um, the preconceived notions, I think, are the same as everyone else, that d and is a bunch of nerds in high school or whatever in a basement, not coming out and seeing daylight very often and living in a fantasy world and... Um, not not having any social skills and all that kind of thing. Now that I will tell you is said from uh, someone who's was has been a nerd forever. And just my my nerdery back in high school was the radio club versus you know gaming or whatever. Yeah. So, did you have um, friends that played D and D? So I did a little bit of research <laughs> on D and D just like to refresh my brain. Yeah. So according to Wikipedia, it started in 74, which means the game was developed, invented, what have you, when I was in middle school. So I knew people that played, but, you know, it would have been early days when I was in high school, would have been early days Mm -hmm. of it gaining Popularity. uh, popularity. Yeah. Right. But recently my knowledge is much expanded because you and I both listen to a lot of podcasts and we recommend things. And when you told me what you were doing, uh, we both listened to a lot of uh, podcasts from the incomparable network and they've got one called TPK total party kill. Um, And your little sister and I started listening to a particular campaign that you recommended 
which was, I think, all new D&D players? Yeah, all new or haven't played in like 15 to 20 years. Yeah. It was hilarious. And if, you know, trust me, you think listening to people play a role-playing game in audio on a podcast sounds, you know, like watching grass grow. It was hilarious and fun. And I learned so much about D&D just from listening to that podcast. So I still have not played, uh, but that's kind of where I'm at on my D&D uh, yeah. knowledge level right now. I do, so. I do think like podcasts are one of the best ways to introduce people to D&D. Um, just because I think like, the like you're saying it's hilarious it's you become so invested in the not just the players but also the characters and sort of the decisions they make i think listening to people play and sort of the fun that they have um like i think really is sort of a a good way to introduce people to D&D because i do think it has a lot of preconceived notions around it of like oh, it's only for nerds and you have to be really into high fantasy and dress up or do all these like weird things. Whereas it's not really like that. And, you know, to be fair, D&D has had this crazy like surge in popularity within the last, I don't know, less than 10 years with younger people, people my age, like just all over across the board, D&D sort of becoming much more mainstream in popularity than just sort of you know, the nerds in high school who were really into wearing capes and sort of the, that, that type of thing. Right, right. Well, I think you, you bring up a point too that I hadn't thought about, but it is uh, until now that um, with uh, your background in some theater and improv and those kinds of things, um, that, that's a different perspective than just the nerds in the basement, right? And so, you, you get a group of adults who are witty and enjoy being together and what have you. And maybe some more explanation about D&D is useful from you because I could tell from listening to the podcast I've now listened to, your success in a D&D group is going to be really tied to the Dungeon Master and their ability to kind of guide the game and and so if you want to tell us tell us tell our fans (laughs) i will i yeah i think it's you're right i probably should sort of explain what dnd is and how to how you play um or at least like at a high level how you would go about if you know starting a campaign if you wanted to the thing that I think that I probably should stress the most is that D&D is a commitment and even listening to a D&D podcast is a commitment because they, I mean, like I said, a session in itself is generally about four to five hours long, sometimes longer. So when you are listening to a podcast, some podcasts will, you know, cut it to be an hour long and they'll, um, and then you'll listen to multiple episodes, which is probably one session for the players. Some episodes like Critical Role is one of the most popular um, D&D podcasts and their episodes, their campaigns are like hundreds of sessions long. So ridiculous amounts. And then also each episode or each session is, you know, four to five hours. So it is a big investment. There are different ways to do it, but basically at a high level, you, uh, you have two roles, right? You have a dungeon master and then you have your party and parties generally consist of around four to six players. The way it works is you gather your group of people that wants to play. Your dungeon master is going to start this campaign, um, or story. And so the way that that works is D&D itself has a bunch of created content. So books, things, campaigns that you can, as a dungeon master, run. And so those are stories that take characters from, you know, through, through dungeons, through all of these, these like big, long, epic stories. And like I said, campaigns last for months, years, how, like long time. Right. right. Um, And so once you've sort of decided on the campaign that you want to run or that you've written one yourself, which is an insane investment that, oh my God, I don't know how people do that. um, You build and you build characters. And so D&D has uh, 
like a plethora of characters to choose from. So you pick your race, you pick your class. So your race could be anything like elf, human, orc, gnome, dwarf, all that kind of good stuff. Um, and then your class, which is what type of character you are. So a bard is someone who sings and performs in taverns and things like that. Um, you would have rogues who are sneaky. Um, you would have fighters who have a lot of strength. And basically what you do is you build this character and your character has stats. So you have, it's very similar to any video game, right? You have a there's a bunch of different ways that you can do stats, but the easiest way to explain it is basically like you have a set number of points and you have a set number of stats. So your charisma, your wisdom, your intelligence, um, your strength and your dexterity. And I maybe am missing one. Did I say constitution? No, um, you missed constitution. Okay. So constitution. Yeah. So those are your six stats. You've got a set amount of points and you have to distribute your points within that, uh, within that set. So I might want to be a really high charisma character, but a really low intelligence character. And you kind of balance things out that way. And you and build you, a character. And you, balance, and you balance out your group too, right? You want to not have six bards, right? Yes. <laughs> right. It's not yeah, going right. to be yeah. because, because you're going through so many different scenarios and there will be combat and there's all these different types of situations that your characters are going to be in. You generally want a balanced party, which is sort of, again, to your help, your dungeon master will help guide that of, oh, well, we already have two people who want to be rogues, so maybe you should pick something different. <laughs> but for the most part, right, like you should pick what you want to play and then sort of the party dynamics tend to balance out because most people want to play different things. So it generally happens that, that your party is fairly balanced. Um, once you build a character, then you start your campaign. And so basically you just have sessions where, you know, you are role-playing as your character and whenever you want to do something within the world of D&D, &D, like, oh, I wanna go talk to this tavern owner and I'm a, I'm a bard and I wanna see if I can play in this tavern. Your DM will guide you and sort of like set up scenarios for you and they'll say something like, okay, roll persuasion. So you've got all these different stats or all these different, I don't know what to call them. They're called checks in the game, but basically a list of skills, which are things like deception, persuasion, strength, or athletics, um, acrobatics, nature, and, survival. And the characters you're encountering will also have that, right? So yep. you're, you're <clears throat> even just trying to get the job to play in the tavern it's not a battle, but it is roll the no, dice you, and see right. who, right. Yeah. And see who right. does, yeah. right. So if I'm saying like, oh, I'm a bard, you know, and your DM has set up a world and you're like, okay, you're at a tavern. And I'm like, great, I'm a bard. I want to see if I can play a gig here. So, you know, the, the DM will say, okay, what are you saying to, you know, the, the, the barkeep or whatever? And I'll say, oh, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm new in town and I'm just passing through. I'm a very well-renowned bard and their DM will ask you to roll for it basically. And you roll a D20 based on a skill check and see how well you do. Basically your stats say, this is what you're good at. This is what you're not good at. So as a bard, you would generally be a character that has lots of charisma. So it's, you would add a number, your modifier, you would add a number to your role. Um, because you're better at that, right? Whereas like if I was a character who is really high charisma, really low intelligence, and I was trying to make an, some type of intelligence check, you know, you might even have a negative modifier. So your roles are gonna be a lot harder to do well on because you're not very good at that skill. And so that's sort of like how you build out your character. But a lot of D&D &D is really just the DM setting up a situation and sort of allowing the players to do whatever they want in that situation, which I think, have, to your point, right? I've sort of a background in improv. So I love the, that really is D&D is a lot of just improving within some guidelines, which is improv itself, so it, right? Yeah. And a campaign is an evolving story, right? So yep. even the DM doesn't know how it's going to go because there's some outline and this group of people are 
maybe going to do what the DM thought and maybe they're going to go completely off the rails and do something different. So you don't know how long it's going to last, what the story is really going to be. And I just thought of um, uh, a modern reference maybe for the less nerdy and geeky. Mm. If people have seen any of the recent Jumanji movies. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Because I mean, it's they're they're thrown in their characters. They have their in the movies, their little things pop above their head and tells what their skill level is and, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And, and they're improving through the story to try to, you know, yeah. finish some adventure. Right. So and it's and it's wild. Right. Like the amount I, I have gotten into playing video games a lot more now that I'm like an adult. Um, and it is wild how much video games and the way that you play video games, right? Like Jumanji, building characters. I mean, it's it's all D&D mechanics, basically, where you're saying, this is my character, this is these are my stats, and then as you increase in levels, you get to increase these things that you're good at. That is such a good comparison. Right. Well, and I saw that on, on the Wikipedia article, too, just trying to, like, it seems like it's been around forever. When did it start? 74 is what Wikipedia said. But it basically said in the article what you said, that this is the beginning and foundation of all these kind of game methodologies. Yeah, um, mechanics. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, it, you know, even things of just like, and D&D has evolved. So right now, the the version of D&D that is most recent is... 5e so there have been which is the fifth edition so there have been five different editions of D&D which have evolved over time and made rules different or more complex and I mean the thing with D&D is like I mean it's a it's an expensive hobby because there are like so many things you can buy and but but yeah I mean it really is it has been evolving over time and it really did set the precedent for sort of a lot of these base mechanics that you see everywhere in video games in you know rpgs even in you know jumanji right it's it's like the basis of that was set by DD. so it's really really cool um and really i mean fun for, really just a fun way to to play because it does feel very luck of the draw right like you you hope that you can do something well because you might have a really good modifier but at the end of the day like you might roll really badly Right. And, and the other that, person rolls well and it did not go the way you thought. Right. <laughs> right. And so yeah, yeah. there isn't this, it's, it's so nebulous and so shifting all the time. And I think that's, that's why I, one of the reasons why I really love it is just like so many different things coming together to tell a, a story. Um, but well, I had, know. I really had not thought about it until we were talking today or talking in this podcast about the idea of improv and creative people getting together and just being creative and having fun. That's a very different image than the nerds in the basement. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. And I and I think too, like one of the reasons that I really wanted to start, and I, I haven't done this yet, but like one of the reasons that I really wanted to start uh DMing a campaign and being a DM was because it very much is improv. You set a scene your players can do whatever they want and then you react to it. If you're trying to lead them to a tavern and they're like, oh, but there was a horse over there. I want to go talk to that. And it's like, oh, okay, great. Uh, now I got to figure out what this horse is doing. And <laughs> you have materials and things, right, that help you. But at the same time, it's really just about reacting to what your players do and helping guide the story that's unfolding, which is one of the things that I always really loved about improv. So yeah, it was, I mean, that's why I said it was, really a creative and has been a really good creative outlet for me. Um, and again, like I am a nerd, right. And I like the high fantasy stuff and I don't want to play a human. I want to play an elf and, you know, <laughs> I do love that aspect of it, but I think there's so much more there in terms of, like you said, just creative people getting together to tell a story and to, to create a story together is really sort of, I think the, the true basis of D and D, it's a game. Of, it's a game of wits too. I mean, that's part of improv, right? But who's going to outsmart the if you if you can outsmart the dungeon master or you know beat the the odds or whatever it is? So 
Yeah, exactly. So would you ever play D&D? Like now, now that you've been exposed to it a little bit, like, do you think you would enjoy playing it? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it, um, it, your comment about the event horizon is when you play, because I think that you've got to find, there's so much before you start playing, you've got to find a group that you're comfortable with and all that kind of thing. So yeah, if something came up, I would, I would, uh, I think I would have fun playing. Yeah, I think that was, that was one of the biggest things for me was like D&D. And this is the same thing, same way that I feel about improv too. It is so much about the people you're playing with because it does need to be a group you trust. It needs to be a group that you're going to have fun with because you're sitting with these people for four hours. You are making decisions as your characters. Like that is a really, it ends up being sort of a very vulnerable experience as well. And so making sure that everyone is, supportive is having fun together even in a situation right where you're like you do things in D&D that you would never do obviously in real life but you're sort of like oh well that guy died let me go see what's in his pockets you know to like which is very video gamey and all that kind of good stuff but it's definitely like you need to have people like around you when you're playing D&D that 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 you really trust and that you really have fun with because otherwise it's not it's gonna be a one, a boring experience, and two, you're not really going to get the full like fun of D and D if you don't if you don't have that. I really think finding a group is the most difficult part of starting D and D at all. Well, and especially if you're starting, it feels like you'd really want to be sure you find a group that is okay with people at different skill levels. You don't want to be dropped in and they've all been playing for 15 years and they're just irritated that you don't know what you're doing. Right. And a group that I think really the the biggest thing too is like a group that just wants and is committed to playing. Right. I think that that's when I've had the most fun is, you know, it's fun to start a campaign, but lots of campaigns fizzle because they do take commitment and time and all that kind of stuff. But if you really find people who are excited and want to play, then it's sort of that whole stuff about like, well, the rules say this and actually you can't stand here and do that spell because, you know, whatever, whatever, like that kind of stuff sort of falls away and you just get to sort of get to riff with your friends. And I think that is, um, yeah, it's great. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever played anything like D&D? Because there are certain like tabletop games that that are sort of similar, right? But not maybe not necessarily. I think D and D is probably the most well known one. But. Right, right. I think so. So second to the nerdery of Radio Club, the the stuff we did in high school uh, with group of friends. We had a big group of cousins, and we would get together and we played Avalon Hill games. So Avalon Hill was a brand. Um, and they had box games and they had lots of like war simulation games. So Blitzkrieg or Battle of the Bulls or whatever. And so it had a board, but there was dice and you're going to move your troops and all that kind of thing. So some of those would be based on real battles. And so you'd be reenacting. But if your strategy was different, a different side might win. Uh, there were a couple. I remember Blitzkrieg. I remember one called Acquire. So it was kind of... Um, monopoly on steroids and it was one of those box board games and you were building hotel chains and well um, and those games too can last for days oh yeah yeah you had to you had to have we had a group of people and they would they would sit the the board might sit for weeks right and playing one game and we did um we did a uh, we had a group in college, so almost everybody's heard of Risk. You remember Risk? Yeah, the, yeah. I've played the, a few times. Yep, yep. So I can't remember if we did two or three Risk boards, but we in the college dorm, it was a men's only dorm, and uh, duct tape them together. We had multiple Risk boards together with our own <laughs> highlighter markers connecting oh continents. And we'd have like half the floor playing these risk games that would that would go on for weeks, <clears throat> weeks on end. And God forbid if somebody bumped the table and moved any of the pieces <laughs> or whatever. So, oh my God! Yeah, yeah. So they're nowhere near the the role playing level, but the same kind of concept of 
that kind of strategy games because D&D is certainly strategy as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that's the whole point, right? Is it is very much like, it's like that it's strategy. It's you basically have an inciting incident and there are things that you, you know, you're just going through an adventure as these characters. So it's, yeah, definitely some strategy involved for sure. Um, but also really fun when you sort of throw that strategy out the window. Um, <laughs> makes for makes for good stories. You know, there's no real winning in D&D, right? You sometimes have goals and you want to accomplish them, but it's really, I think people freak out kind of about the role-playing aspect of it, but it's really just sort of, what would a character do in this situation? And then you just try and do it and you, right. you just move through, move through the story that way. Well, you're doing, I, I think we're talking about what, you love about D&D, but maybe getting to the point where we're both talking about what we love about games. Yeah. Right? We, I've had friends and family and cousins that winning was everything, right? So, you know, we'd, we'd end up at the end of the Monopoly game and spend half hour reading rules and debating. But the, the rest of the gaming experience is about being with other people. And, it, and then I also thought you and I played on the computer side, we played a number of the early like puzzle solving mystery games where you're, you're going from place to place. You're look at this, find this thing, try to discover something. D&D is at a higher level of that. And it's more um, amorphic, right? Because the story can go anywhere. Whereas the puzzle games and mystery games that we played there was one solution, but you had to work through it together. Yeah, to try but, to... but even still, that's actually a really good point that I hadn't really made that connection of, you know, playing Myst growing up, which is sort of this open world mystery adventure game where it's just sort of like, you're in a world, go find some things that are interesting. And then they'll probably mean something later. And you've got to figure out how it all fits together and, you know, like how that all works. And, and you I advance think, to different levels and, you know, those kinds of things. So, yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's very similar the way that I feel about those games and the way that I feel about D&D. And D&D does have, you know, like you play a character, right? And you choose that character. And so there's maybe a bit more choice involved. And it's, you know, like you said, a bit more amorphic. But overall, very similar in terms of, you know, like you're in a world and you figure out, puzzles and different things and different situations and you you move through it. yeah that's such a good point i hadn't even thought of that so but i think it's an interesting point that if you are someone who enjoys games and games with groups of people where where you're having fun it's not yeah. all just competitive who's gonna there's gonna be one winner at the end kind of game yeah uh, then then D&D may be something that you had never thought about that you might enjoy. Yeah. And it feels, it is like that. It is very communal, very, you are all generally all working together to, to achieve a common goal. So there isn't necessarily that sort of sense of competitiveness um, that I sometimes don't like about like a monopoly or something like that, where right. I do find very fun about you know, balderdash where technically there is a winner and a loser, but at the same time, it's really just about making up these fun definitions and, yeah. you know, doing all of these things together and laughing and, and, you know, yeah. kind of all, I've all had that the stuff. most fun playing balderdash when I only think I got two squares away from the first thing, mm -hmm. but I had some hilarious definitions. <laughs> and tried so. Right, right. Exactly. Uh, next question I had for you, which I think you've already answered part of it, but what what are the gadgets or resources that uh, you've you've found you need? So you have a you have a separate drawer with just dice in it now, but what um, yeah. <laughs> what else? I have like a whole D and D shelf. Um, and you, you mentioned earlier, you said something about minis, but you didn't explain what that is. So you might, because yes. I'm guessing that's coming up, right? So. so yeah. So the thing that I will again preface here is that D&D &D is quite an expensive hobby or c can be. Um, certainly when you play online, it's it's less so because things like minis become less important. So when you when you play in person, 
generally you, every, every person, every player has their own mini, um, which is just like a little miniature figure of your character. And so when things like combat happen or when you're moving through a city, you might have maps on the table of the way that those things look. And so you'd move your mini to say, okay, I'm here, I'm doing this thing. Um, and it's just a way to like physically visualize what's happening. Whereas online you do a lot of that through different, um, you can, you can do it through different resources. Like roll 20 is a very popular, it's what, um, TPK uses for their podcast of all playing together online, which is basically just right. virtual board and virtual minis and squares and all that kind of stuff. To but be you are going to have, maps. that reminds me of the war games that we played the board games, right? You've got to have a map because are you too far away to help or, you know, how right. close and, together and is the group and that kind of thing. You can sort of play that stuff out in the theater of the mind. It just takes a lot more like back and forth between you and the DM and your party of, of talking out of character versus when you might actually be doing like some role playing versus if you have roll 20, you can, you can visualize it on the screen. Right. Um, but it, those do take, I think, quite a bit of ramp up time in order to learn, especially as a DM, because there's just so many different, it's not just necessarily like building the map. It's, it's a lot of, you know, sort of ramp up time to learn those things, but they're great tools and mostly free. Um, so it's really, really good way right. to play D&D online. And you definitely don't have to have a group of people that can get together and you can still play D&D, even, even in a pandemic situation. Right. Still well, and you keep talking about rules. I'm assuming there are uh, Harry Potter level thick books of rules or <laughs> they're not that thick. The thing that you need to play D and D is a copy of the player's handbook. And that is pretty much every single D and D rule like in a, in a book. And it's, you know, maybe, um, it's like the size of, I would say a coffee table book. It's big and the text is tiny and there's all these rules of like, here's how to set up your character. Here's how to move through something in a campaign. Here's how turns work. Here's how combat works. All of that kind of stuff in the player's handbook. Um, and then there are other books like, and this is all D and D content, right? Like, so D and D like Dungeons and Dragons puts this out. The campaign will tell you, okay, this is this as a DM, this guides you through your campaign. There's also a DM guide, which is just like basically how to be a DM, how to, here's what a monster's stat block might look like. Here's how these things might interact together. So there's like significant, <laughs> hope you like to read if you want to play D and D. Uh, you really, I mean, it's, it's not quite so heavy, but it is certainly like, um, I use my player's handbook a lot when I play to say, oh, I want to do this thing. I'm not quite sure what the rule on it is. Let me look it up. Um, and I actually have an online copy of the, the player's handbook as well so that it's really, you can just search. Well, and I, and I noticed that on the uh, TVK podcast where it's a group of fun, creative people and they're like, well, I think I can do this. So, I mean, I mean they're doing it online, but I could see if they were in the same room it'd be a group of people kind of helping each other look up, well, maybe you can do that spell or maybe you can't move over there, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Right, yeah, Very right. much. It's, the the best way to learn how to play D&D is just to play D&D, right? Or listen to people play D&D because it'll kind of give you an understanding of like what, what the things you might be doing, but really the best way to do it is just sort of yeah. play. And then when you have a question, look up a rule or look up something right, in your player's right. handbook. Well, with that in mind, then what is the, uh, I'm going to ask you what your one recommendation mm. is for somebody uh, getting started or your favorite thing you discovered. I will tell you that I haven't started yet, but my recommendation is what you gave me, which is find a D&D podcast like TPK and listen to it. And my image perspective of what the game is has completely changed after listening um, to them play. And, and you could listen to a couple of episodes and know whether it's for you or not, right? You don't have to listen to a six month campaign to figure out whether you're gonna like it or not, right? Yeah, so. and that's what I was gonna say too, is I would suggest if, if that is your way of introducing yourself to D&D, &D, you should pick something like TPK or a one-off from Critical Role. Critical Role is pretty fun because they're all voice actors. So they 
it's really like an audio show versus TPK is a lot more like listening to your friends play D and D it's, it's less right, theatrical right. than just sort of like, I don't know, I'm going to try and do this thing. Um, but I would say if you're going to start with critical role, pick a one-off pick, like you can do a one-off session. So D and D is, you know, you could have campaigns that last for forever, but you could also just do a one-off session. And so critical role has some one-offs and I think those are really fun. Um, and they are much less of an investment than trying to start a new campaign and follow that for a long period of time. So TPK's episodes are about an hour long. A one-off from Critical Role is like a nice thing if you're going to listen to it on a drive. So it's less of an investment to sort of figure out if it's for you or not versus, you know, trying to say, okay, I'm going to start this campaign that I'm listening to on a podcast that's 400 episodes long. The one thing that I would recommend is if you are interested in getting started with D&D, dndbeyond.com is, we can link this in the show notes, but it is the best guide for new players, online resources, everything that you could ever want for D&D that I have found. So they have amazing articles. They have um, really awesome, like when you are, they're really awesome character builders that walk you through step-by-step how to do something. Or if you've picked a specific class, like what a quick build might look like for that specific class really awesome articles about how to get started, really awesome articles, even in, in quarantine time where like basically how to play D and D online is far and away the best online resource for all your D and D needs that you can just have an up-to-date character sheet or change things or add your, to your inventory, anything like that. Use your spells, take long rests. It takes like so much of the physical, like you'd have to write down and keep track of things. It takes all of that away and is just like, it's great. I love it. So if you want to get started and there's like a bunch of articles on basically just quickly how to play that probably explain it way better than I did in this (laughs) podcast. Um, But also just like, if you, if you decide you want to do a campaign, like I would not do a campaign without going through D and D beyond because it's just, it's so useful. Perfect. Well, I think I mean, there, there. We could talk for days, right. weeks, another months, six years months. Yeah, right. <laughs> about D and D. But I think that is all the time we have for that specific for today's topic. Um, maybe we'll fall. We'll have some follow ups next time. Um, but that means it's time for our end of show special feature, the media black hole. Um, so, what is your suggestion for this week for books, movies, TV shows? something that is really worthy of getting sucked into that you either recently started watching or listening to, um, or something you consumed in the past. Well, I'm, i we're only what, three, four episodes in. So I'm going to have to make sure I didn't pick this already, but, um, what I have restarted is the wire. Did I pick the wire before? I don't think think so. So it is, it is, uh, uh, oh, you know, new, new special term. Well, it'll only, hopefully this term won't be needed for uh, the life of the podcast, but my pandemic pick, Mm. uh, because HBO is releasing, or a lot of the media companies are releasing some things for free uh, while we're all in lockdown or whatever. So HBO has released the full uh, five seasons of The Wire for free. Um, nice. And, and I will, so that's 2002 to 2008, um, Baltimore drug scene. Uh, it has been reviewed by some people as the best TV show ever. Uh, but I will Which I have your, never watched, by the way. So it, I had seen the first season and a half, and I just went back and started rewatching. And, mm. and I think I'm on season three now, but the, I will give... Uh, parental guidance warning they they don't cut corners so it is pretty raw but it is it is highly reviewed and rated almost everywhere so anyway it's out the full five seasons are out for free right now on HBO nice that's awesome um okay well my pick is a little bit more lighthearted than that. Um, but I really wanted to pick this one just because I, I had I'd thought about like kind of mapping my pick to the topic of the week. And so 
My pick for this week is called Mythic Quest. It's only one season long. It's a new show from Apple TV. Um, and it's basically a show about a video game company um, like trying to make their new video game release happen. Oh, I heard about this, but I haven't watched it yet. It is hilarious. I mean, <laughs> even if you're not really into it's certainly funnier if you like video games because the company is basically like their game is basically World of Warcraft. So if you kind of know a little bit about it, it's like even funnier um, because there are little Easter eggs about that. But really, it's just a hilarious, really awesome, lighthearted comedy. I mean, I think probably, you know, mature language or whatever, but for the, I mean, just right. really absolutely hilarious sort of, especially for me being in the tech industry of software development, game development, that kind of, you know, just tropes and life and <laughs> right. all of that. It's, it's hilarious. And I would absolutely recommend. I will probably watch episode one tonight. Yay. So, oh, know, I can't wait to, to go. Yeah. See, we can follow up with that. If you start watching it, that can be a follow-up for next episode. I'm not, I, I have been, it was like, oh, when you picked um, Westworld, I was like, oh, I'm behind on Westworld. So I've been trying to catch up. I'm still not finished with season two, but you and I can have some offline discussion yes. about that at some point. So, we will. Spoiler free. But spoiler I think, free. imagine that we've gone very long yes. with D&D. &D. Of course. Um, so that's definitely all the time we have <laughs> today. Uh, discussing what we're uh, lately obsessed with. Uh, so thanks for being with me here today. Um, it's been fun to have you. And um, thanks for sharing all that. And we'll see if I get sucked into d and I'm sure at some point I will, but... Um, Maybe I'll run a one-off and you can... We'll do a D&D <laughs> we'll &D one-off session and you can join us. I think that'd be awesome. Um, so what do you think is going to be on the Event Horizon for next episode? So I, I think uh, it's been helping me keep my sanity of late and it's been on my list for... Um, or, or I crossed the Event Horizon on this one probably a couple years ago. Uh, so I think we're going to talk about real cameras. And by that, I mean cameras that are designed to just take pictures, not text and voicemail and all the other so games and whatever. Right? Got it. Yeah. Okay. Not yeah. my iPhone. And, the, and, and I, my definition for, quote, real camera is at this point, it, it has to have interchangeable lenses. Yeah. So I think, I, that's think good. I think we'll do cameras. I think we'll do cameras next time. So Great. Well, we'll probably go long on that one, too, just knowing, <laughs> yes. knowing the two of us. Well, thanks everyone for listening today. We'd love it if you subscribe to our show in your podcatcher of choice. And if you'd rate or review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We'd also love to hear from you as well. You can send us an email at info at theblackholecafe.com or let us know what's on your event horizon on the web at www.theblackholecafe.com on Facebook or Instagram at The Black Hole Cafe or on Twitter at Black Hole Cafe because Twitter likes to limit how much we can say. Thanks again for listening. Take care and don't forget your towel. Bye everyone.